Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. You know, church uh, is a place we come to worship. It's a place we come to celebrate. It's a place that we come to fellowship. It, 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 uh, it's designed to be a place that we come to be encouraged and to encourage others. These are all scriptures that we could turn to and read in the Bible. The reasons why a person would go to church. You know, sometimes people uh, uh, say something like this to me. Well, I don't go to church. I just find I don't, you know, I, I just don't need it. I have a good relationship with, 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 with Jesus. And that's, that's wonderful that people have a good relationship with Jesus. You can have a good relationship with Jesus without going to church. You can go to heaven without going to, well, once you get to heaven, you have to go to church. Uh, but uh, you can, you can, I mean, Jesus went to church, you know, and, uh, and then heaven is designed like that. But Going to church, even when you don't need something, perhaps when you don't need something is one of the more important times to go because that way you can focus on being an encouragement to others because that's what the book of Hebrews says, that we, one of the reasons that we do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, what does that mean? That means that we don't just keep saying no as a matter of convenience to coming to church because uh, the Bible says, but do it Go to church even more once you see the end days approaching. I'm not sure whether that's the last days for everybody or just the last days for yourself. I guess when you're old, you need to start going to church. And so, but when you, when you see the last days approaching, go to church even more. But go to church, it says in Hebrews, the reason why is so that we might be an encouragement to others. As I, as I briefly said on, on, on last week, I don't know of a, any people group in the world that needs encouragement more than Christians. Christians need encouragement. We are looked at, but we also have a great demand on our lives. The great demand on our life is to have answers for, for questions which uh, you know, uh, people can, can encounter in life. And we're the ones that are supposed to have the lights. We're the ones that are supposed to shine. We're the ones that are supposed to be able to share the word with others so that we study to make sure that we can show ourselves approved by rightly dividing the word of truth. And so going to church is, is important for many reasons. Going to church to be encouraged. Going to church when you don't need to be encouraged, but you go to encourage others. Going to church to participate in the kingdom of heaven because we here gather together resources in order to accomplish the will of God throughout the earth and here in our community going to church, you know, to worship and going to church to celebrate. All of these things are important. But also one aspect of going to church and the aspect that I believe that Wednesday nights are perfect for and, and uh, you know, uh, uh, other venues and, uh, uh, is to be taught the Word of God. Very important for Christians to know what they believe and to know why they believe it. It's very important that we be rooted and grounded in our faith. It's very important that we understand the doctrines of Christ. It's very important. In fact, uh, Timothy was told by the Apostle Paul to really take heed to the doctrine. Take heed to, to what you believe, to the core foundations of the Word of God. 
This week I was meeting with some people and, uh, you know, they, they, they really wanted the blessing of our church on, on some ministries that, 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 that they are doing, some things they are doing to reach out uh, and, 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 and to, uh, to witness and to help and to, you know, they're doing all kinds of ministries. And what they wanted was uh, uh, just our blessing so that they could say that we, uh, you know, uh, we were pleased as a church with the things they were doing. And, uh, you know, you know, one of the questions I asked them was, tell me, how do you get born again? When someone who is a believer, who is a minister and who is wanting to be a witness and wanting to be covered and sanctioned by the church, I think they ought to know how to lead someone to the Lord and know how a person gets saved and why a person gets saved. More than just wanting to do good things in the name of Jesus and help people in which we ought to. We ought to be doing good things. We ought to feed people. We ought to help people. These are things that are important and necessary. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, at times, people are just trying to help bad people be better and not necessarily even understand how you can make them live forever by introducing them to a God that loves them in a clear gospel fashion. It's very, very important that we as a church take some time to teach doctrine because how will you know unless you be told? Uh, uh, most of you have not had the opportunity to go to Bible school or to spend you know, uh, uh, five years or 10 years or 20 years or 30 or 40 years with your main objective every week, all week long, is just to study the Bible. You know, most of you did not get to lock yourselves up today. When I got out to come to church was the very first time I got out of the house today. I did open the door one time and say hello to Pastor Casey. <laughs> I opened the door, but you notice I didn't come out. It stood there. I, I said, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm studying today. Uh, you may not have that advantage. You know, it's wonderful to have that advantage, and I'm very thankful. In fact, the email that I wrote to, uh, to so many people tonight before I came, I, I, I sent an email out uh, uh, Saturday nights and, and also on Wednesday uh, evenings before church. And I, I, I said one of the things I was so thankful for and wanted to acknowledge was the blessing that God uh, has, has, has given me, the opportunity, placed me in a particular calling where, where I get a chance to study the Word of God. Where I get a chance to pour the word of God in and, and take, a, take it apart, literally take it apart, dissect it and put it back together and, and, and read, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, if I'm going to use one scripture out of the book of Philippians, uh, most often I will read the whole book of Philippians just to use one verse out of it on a Sunday morning. I'll write that verse over and over. I'll rehearse it over and over. And I'll, I'll look up, uh, you know, uh, you know it's, it's, it's not uncommon that I take the time. Uh, in fact, it is almost always that I take the time. If, I, uh, if I'm going to preach on Sunday morning about, uh, about love, I will read every scripture in the Bible that has the word love in it. Whew, that, takes, that takes hours and hours and hours. Sometimes when it seems almost overwhelming, I will put it on read and let it read them over to me again. And let him read them over to me again. You know, while I'm having lunch, while I'm, you know, uh, whatever. Uh, 
And because of that, God, uh, because of that study that, I, that, that, that I'm blessed with an opportunity to do, it is incumbent upon me to share these teachings and to share this word. It's so important. There's no substitution for understanding why the church believes what it believes, why we teach what we teach, why that the Word of God is more than just a bunch of suggestions, and how it all fits and why it makes sense, and also important to know what it does not say. Because many times people who just looking at it might, uh, might not be studying it, they might not be sharing its, its real value, its real sense. Uh, because no one scripture can tell the whole story. Every scripture has to be interpreted by scripture. It has to fit into the one picture that God is painting, into the one story God is telling. It cannot stand alone and claim truth. It has to fit in that puzzle so that no one piece is the whole picture. So uh, tonight, uh, I, I want to uh, share, we're, we're going to share tonight a little bit on, on doctrine because it's important that we take heed to our doctrine and some of the things we believe. Tonight, the title of the message is Believe and Embrace. I had about four titles on this today. Believe and Embrace. Uh, so let, we're, we're going to be going to Mark chapter 16. So we're going to be picking up in, in, in verse 15. It's a time after Jesus has been crucified, dead, buried, resurrected. Forty days after his resurrection, before he ascended into heaven, the Bible says he appeared to more than 500 people during that 40 days. He showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. And then there came that day that Jesus was to be caught up into the heavens, to sit at the right hand of God and there to make intercession for us, waiting until his enemies be made his footstool. He was yielding a responsibility to the disciples who were with him there on that hill, the Mount of Olives that day, just outside of Jerusalem. He was yielding to them a responsibility for them to carry on this gospel work. He said, I am going away. But it's necessary for me to go away because if I do not go away, I am the only one who will be filled with the Holy Spirit. I am the only one who will be commissioned by God to tell the story and to lead people to, to, to salvation. And we need more than just me doing this. I have paid for the sins of mankind. I have been crucified as a sacrificial offering. I was put into a grave. I was raised on the third day victorious over sin, death, hell, and the grave. And now I am going away so that I might send back the Holy Spirit to you.
He said, I am with you, but I shall be in you. And the works that I do, you shall do also. And even greater works than these shall you do because I'm going to the Father. I'm going to be interceding for you, but the Holy Spirit is going to come here in my place and he is going to enter into you and he's going to fill you with the power and the presence and the glory of God in a whole different way. You are going to be born again, a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. And you will be in me and me in you and we are in God and we will be one and there we will take this gospel message around the world together. That was what he had promised them and told them. In this moment, he is just about to be caught up into heaven. And he is giving his last instructions, his, his final commands, his orders for these disciples to carry out. In verse 15, Mark 16, And Jesus said to these disciples, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Talking about the creation, to every human, to every person, to every uh, group of people. Go. Go and as you go. Here is, a, here is a great command. This is not a suggestion. He is telling us. It is your responsibility now. Just as God sent me from heaven, just as the Father sent me, he said, so send I you. Go. Go. Two-thirds of God is go. Going is a responsibility for the church and for us individually. We go in many ways. We go through our prayers. We go through our finances. We go because we you know, make our feet go. We go through others, through empowering others. He wants us to realize that it is a commandment. It's a commission. We call it out of Matthew, the 28th chapter in verse 18. We call it the great commission. It was a, 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 a calling. Go and as you go. If you go to England, you know why you're going. If you go to Port Arthur, you know why you're going. If you go to the grocery store, you know why you're going. If you go to, you know, uh, anywhere, as you go, that's what it's indicating. I want you to go with a purpose, and as you go, I want you to have this in your mind. I want you to preach. It's not a suggestion, it's a command. I want you to preach. This concept of preaching means to proclaim. What, what is it we're proclaiming? Well, you know, uh, it, it also means to offer. Okay? As you go, as you go through life, as you go to the grocery store, as you go to school, as you go to work, as you're going about life, as you're going you know, to, to your neighbor's house, as you're going out to eat, as you go in life, proclaim, offer, make sure your life is a proclamation. Preach is a word that's written here, but this really means to, that, that, that we are making a, pro, a, a, a proclamation, that we are offering pardon and eternal life on God's terms. We're not offering pardon. We're not offering forgiveness of sins. We're not offering eternal life. We're not offering salvation on man's terms. We're offering salvation on God's terms. 
we are proclaiming a very specific message. We are offering people pardon of sin and eternal salvation on God's terms of mercy. Only by God can you get this. Only by his mercy can you get this. Only by his grace can you get this. And you can only get it on his terms, and that is through accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's the only way. You see, this salvation is not on the church's terms. It's not on the denomination's terms. And this is a doctrine that you must hold. Whether you encounter Baptist, Methodist, interdenominational, spirit-filled, assemblies, whatever denomination, whatever organization, or indeed whatever faith, Muslims, Mormons, Jehovah's Witness, whoever you may encounter, Buddhist, Many people will tell you what they feel, what they believe, what they have heard is the path to salvation, is the way to be saved. But you see, salvation is only offered on God's terms. And the only thing anyone knows about God comes from this word. We can't pretend to know something about God when he has limited himself to the word. In fact, he says that even if a spirit comes and, 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 and manifests himself to you, someone comes back from the dead, the apostle Paul said, anything, and tells you something different than that is written in this word, just treat him as a liar. Let God be praised and every man be a liar, he said. Salvation we offer. We are told to go. This is the great the greatest thing that, 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 that God could ever do is to give us Jesus' job. Give us the job that, that he sent Jesus to do. And Jesus went home. He gave us the power. All authority and all power has been given unto me. Therefore, I want you to go. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. I'm giving you the authority. I'm giving you the power. I'm commissioning you but you must preach and offer pardon and offer salvation on God's terms. You can't get halfway saved. Hello? You can't be half forgiven. You can't be half in. You see, God's terms of salvation demands unconditional surrender. You can't get saved without unconditional surrender. I know that sounds harsh, but nowhere in the Word of God does someone dabble in salvation and almost get saved and go to heaven. It demands that we come to a place and recognize that we need a Savior because in ourselves, we're, we're, we're not saved. We're not safe. We are in need. Unconditional surrender. Just as you are, you can't get better and impress God and get Him to save you because you're better. You can't, you can't get better. Getting better won't get you saved. It has to be just as you are. I, I've told this story before. I don't know how many times, but, I, uh, but you know, maybe you've been here, maybe you haven't been, but uh, about the man in Germany that moved Brenda, uh, Brenda and, 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 and me from, German, from England to Germany. 
and he was just very foul truck driver kind of guy that had you know, delivered our furniture and carried up flights of stairs in Germany. And I was witnessing to him about Jesus and witnessing to him. And he wanted to know what all of those, he had an explicative about our Bibles were doing in the box he had to carry up. And, you know, and, and, uh, and, and I was witnessing to him, witnessing to him, witnessing to him. And, uh, you know, he finally told me, I, I said, why? Why won't you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? He said, because I don't want to quit drinking beer. That was his picture of what he had to do to get saved. I said, well, let me tell you, uh, quitting, quitting drinking beer, stopping drinking is not going to get you saved. But let me tell you what, if you let Jesus come into your heart, you probably won't quit drinking. Amen. I don't know. You may, you may not. But beer's not going to keep you out of heaven if, and unless you just decide you want it more than you want Jesus. You can drink beer and go to heaven. A guy asked me one time, you know, can I smoke cigarettes and go to heaven? Sure you can. You get there quicker than me. <laughs> you know, but what it requires is not works, but an, un, an unconditional surrender of our soul. Our soul to him. I finally convinced him that Jesus just wanted him just like he was. He got saved. Well, yeah, he got saved and he took Brenda's Bible with him. Yeah. That night I, I, I went down uh, to help them get into a movie theater. And uh, the guy that was riding with him, he came out of that truck. It had a sleeper. They were sleeping in the truck. And he said, what did you do to this guy? He won't shut up about Jesus. He keeps wanting me to get saved and he won't shut up. I said, yeah, he got born again. I said, you know what? Before you get back to England, you're going to be born again too. Because he ain't going to shut up. You see, salvation is an all-in thing. That's what it means to believe. All in. Believe. That's, that's what it means. All in. I'm all in. I may not know what I'm supposed to do, and I may not know how to do it, and I may be, you know, you know, you know I'm not perfect, but I'm all in. That's what we preach. Salvation on God's terms. Uh, that's called the gospel. Go into all the world, he said, and proclaim, offer this pardon, offer this salvation on God's terms. We proclaim the gospel. The gospel equals the good news. We are not commissioned. It's important for us as a church to understand the doctrine of the Bible. Okay? And tonight we're, we're looking at doctrine. The doctrine of salvation is a doctrine of good news. It's not a doctrine of bad news. It's a doctrine of good news. You know what bad news is? You're going to hell. Okay? If you're not born again, you are going to hell. And you deserve it. That's bad news. Okay? And yet, sometimes... A church or a pastor or a well-meaning Christian will adopt a bad news approach to leading people to Christ. And they go, as they go, they proclaim the bad news. Where was I? I think I was in South Korea with my daughter and her family. We were walking along the streets in, in Seoul, 
And right through a place called Itaewon. I believe we, were, we, we may be in another place near like a Dong Day Moon or somewhere like that. They will remember. They're probably talking about it in the car right now. We're walking along. I had my grandchildren. You know, I was holding a couple of them hand and we're just having a decent time. And I walked by this guy with a bullhorn and a sign and he screams, you're going to hell at me. I wanted to hit that Christian right in the face with my fist. How dare him startle me and scream at me and how dare him judge me. How dare him tell me I'm going to hell. That's like the guy that was being witnessed to and witnessed to and witnessed to and he never would get saved. This guy kept telling him, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. And the guy finally said, what's the matter to you? Don't you want to go to heaven? He said, not if it's with a bunch of people like you, I don't. It's good news. It's important to realize that the Bible is filled with good news. And we are called, we are commissioned by God to go and as we go, to proclaim the good news. The good news is you can go to heaven. You can be forgiven of your sins. You can be pardoned. God loves you and has a plan for your life. He's merciful and he's kind. He'll give you chance after chance after chance. It's so easy. All you have to do is surrender your soul to him and just step all in and then let him spend years cleaning your life up. That's good news. He's merciful. He's not looking for technicalities to dangle you over the fires of hell. He's looking for every technicality he can to include you in heaven because he gave his only son for the privilege of knowing you. So as a church, as a Christian, as a people, as a witness, it's important that we understand that as we go through life, we should be proclaiming salvation and pardon on God's terms. And we should be uh, sharing the good news with people that whenever they're having a bad day, that, that God loves them. You know what? If if you won't worry, but if you'll just pray, and if you'll give it to God, and no one needs encouragement like Christians do. You work with Christians. You're around Christians all the time. You know, encourage them. You know, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you want, and then thank Him for everything He's done. You know, these are the things that Jesus asked them to do with, with some of his last words. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Oh my goodness. If the disciples had have understood what Jesus said, it would have blown their mind, but they completely missed it. Whoosh. As they had missed so many other things. They didn't know he was going to be resurrected. He tried to tell them, tried to tell them. He told them several times. But, you know, I mean, but whew, because to every person, to every creature, every person from all nations, wait, hold on, wait, 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 wait. This was a brand new thing. They didn't hear it 
like he was saying it. God always intended for it to be this way. They had missed it and they had believed and they felt and they continued to act on what they had believed previously. That they should go into all the world and they should proclaim the good news to Jews. That's what they believed. That's what they heard. That's what they felt. That's what they knew. That's all they ever knew. That salvation was for the Jews. This is what they really believed. If they had heard what Jesus meant, if they just heard what he said, if they'd understood that he was saying all nations, making disciples of all nations, oh my goodness, it would have blown their mind. They would not have uh, comprehended. They had not before realized that the scriptures included those who were not Jews in the plan of God. It was so foreign to them to imagine that. It was not understood that salvation was possible for Gentiles. In fact, arguments continued all the way up into 2018 that you have to be a Jew to be a child of God. That you have to be a Jew, even among some groups, you have to convert and keep the law in order to be saved. You see, this was a new commandment for these men. They had walked so close with Messiah he had a specific job to do, which he did. Later, the apostle Paul would say, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. To the Jew first, it came to the, but also to the Greeks, also to those who are not Jew, to those who are Gentiles. The apostle Peter encountered this dilemma of faith. I mean, you know, the Bible says that those that were scattered abroad from Jerusalem, the church in Jerusalem, they taught to Jews, okay? Jesus was a Jewish savior for Jewish people and they talked to Jews and they led Jews to the saving knowledge of Messiah, Jesus Christ. And one day, one of the deacons got stoned to death. His name was Stephen. And when Stephen got stoned, it scared a lot of the believers and they began to go off in other places and get away from Jerusalem because Jerusalem was a hotbed of persecution for all those who believed because the high priest of the Jews was there and, and it looked like uh, that Christianity was an attack on, on the Jewish religion because, you know, the, the Jews of that day, the high, the, the, the high priest, they did not believe that the Jesus they crucified was the Messiah because they had put him to death. And so they were standing firm and they were fighting against the church and, and, and so the church had been growing and it grew by thousands of people and so they begin to persecute and, 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 and uh, you know, put in prison and, and then they killed Stephen, one of the leaders of the church and everybody got scared and people began to scatter. But if you'll read about that, you will find that they went as far as Antioch preaching only to Jews. I mean, this was some years after Jesus had told them to, to, to proclaim this good news to everybody. But they were still, years later, you know, perhaps seven years, a decade later, three, five years, seven years, they're still just preaching to Jews. That's all. When the Apostle Paul got gloriously saved on the road to Damascus, Every town he would go in, he would go first to the Jews. He would go to the synagogue. 
Peter was there on the Mount of Olives the day that Jesus ascended. Peter was one of the disciples who received that great commission. He heard it from the, from, from the mouth and from the lips of Jesus, this resurrected Lord and Savior of the world, and he heard Jesus say, go into all the world, and as you go, proclaim the good news to every person on the planet. But Peter had not caught it. Later on, when we get to Acts, the 10th chapter, Peter is in the city of Joppa. It's on the coast. It's the same place that, you know, Jonah got on the boat before he was swallowed up by the fish. Okay. It's on the, on the uh, western coast of Israel, right on the Mediterranean Sea. Peter is there visiting with a friend who is a Jew because you could only eat with Jews and lodge with Jews. And so he had kept to that. And he was only preaching to Jews. He, only, he didn't believe that anybody else could be saved. Okay? He didn't believe that anybody else was a candidate for salvation or could be saved. Now, you know, this is church doctrine, church history, church doctrine. Everybody can be saved. He's hungry that day. And so the, his host has not got the food ready yet. And so... Peter goes up on the rooftop of that house. Some of you have been with me to Joppa, and we've walked right along that coastline. Bill, we've been to Joppa. Bill, we've walked along that coastline on the Mediterranean shore and along those houses, and they got little flat roofs. Peter was in one of those houses there. While he was up on the rooftop, he decided he'd take a nap. And the Bible says he fell into a trance. And from heaven, he saw this sheet let down as though it were held by four corners. And in the sheet, there were all kinds of animals, clean animals, unclean animals. There was just a mixture of all kinds of animals. And, 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 and a voice from heaven said, you know, rise, you know, kill and eat. And, 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 and he said, no, Lord, no, Lord, I'm, I, I'm not going to do that. You know, you know, Lord, that I'm a Jew and I have never eaten anything unclean. No, Lord, huh, I'm not going to do it. It was taken back up, let back down, kill and eat. No, Lord, you know that I'm a Jew and I, 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 don't, I don't do that. No, you know that you know, we're a special people. We don't do that. That's against our customs. Back up. Third time, let down. Right, kill and eat. No, Lord, I'm a Jew. Huh, we don't eat. No, Lord, I wouldn't offend you, Lord, by touching anything unclean. And God said, what I have cleansed, let no man call unclean. And then God told him, there's some men coming to get you. Don't ask any questions, just go with them. About that time, some men knocked on the door. Peter went down, went with them. They walked all the way back up the Mediterranean coast, about, oh, 30, 40 miles, up to the city of Caesarea, Philippi. Because there was a Gentile man up there named Cornelius. He was a Roman soldier. He was an Italian. 
He wasn't just a Gentile. He was an Italian. I mean, the, the Bible makes it a point out of that. I don't know why, but it does. As though Italians were very difficult to get saved in those days. <laughs> he says, so Peter walks into Cornelius' house. Cornelius had been, had been praying a few days earlier, and an angel had said to Cornelius, send down to Joppa to a man's house named Simon, who is a tanner. There you will find a man named Peter. Bring him back here, and he will proclaim the gospel to you. He will give you the good news. Why didn't the angel give the good news? Because angels don't do that. Nowhere in the Bible do you see an angel having responsibility. Why? Because Jesus said that's our responsibility to go into all the world and proclaim the good news. The best that angels do, anywhere in the Word of God, the best that angels do is tell somebody to go talk to somebody else. Because it's our privilege, our part, our responsibility, our commission to lead people to Christ, not angels. The angel could have told him, I guess, but the angel didn't. He said, send down and get Peter. So they went down there, and then you know, God said, you know, rise, kill, and eat. No, Lord, unclean. God said, don't you call anything unclean that I have cleansed. You go with these men. So now Peter is forced by God, a fresh word from God, to walk into the house of a man named Cornelius, who is a Roman, he's an Italian, he's a Roman centurion in charge of a hundred men, uh, you know, in charge of a garrison of, of, of men, of army people there in Caesarea. And Peter finds himself in the man's house. And he all of a sudden finds the Holy Spirit. Peter finds the Holy Spirit dealing with him. As Cornelius tells him, I was here praying and an angel visited me and told me to send to you that you would come and tell us what we need to do. And Peter says in Acts 10, verse 34, then Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, you see, this was, this was years, years, years later. All of a sudden, Peter is just catching a glimpse of what Jesus had told him on the, on, 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 on the Mount of Olives as Jesus was being you know, brought up into heaven about his responsibility to tell every creature about the good news. Here, Peter is just now getting a realization after perhaps a decade. Peter now is all of a sudden realizing, whoa, what is happening here? I, I, I perceive, the King James says, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. I like that. He shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. Wow. That word... He said to Cornelius, I'm going to keep reading because it's so good. That word you know. Boy, boy, here is one of, the, one of the doctrines that we hold in this church. That God has already commanded all men everywhere to repent. That people know, they know in their hearts there is a God. Every person knows in their hearts that, 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 that they need him. Every person has that seed in their heart. And that's what he's saying to Cornelius. You know, that word you know, which has been proclaimed throughout all Judea. 
and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. Wow. Listen, there is no denying that God sent his only son to be both Lord and Savior of our lives. Verse 39, Peter says, and we are witnesses of these things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to the witnesses chosen before God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead, to him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. You see, Peter is getting revelation even as he begins to preach. He's speaking and proclaiming the word of God by revelation because before he did not believe that Gentiles could be saved. But now he is receiving revelation and seeing the light of the word of God to which all the prophets had testified that any man at any time in any nation who would believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ would be saved, would receive this pardon from sin and eternal life on God's terms. Wow. I'm just going to read verse 16 to you and, and we'll close. <laughs> Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations, okay? Proclaim the good news, okay, to every creature. Verse 16, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Wow. It's important you understand church doctrine about what that scripture really means. But we'll have to wait till next week.